0: Hi, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And we're here to keep it real, raw, and what it means to be the confident woman.
1: Okay, so today we are talking to our friend Crystal. She is an author, a coach, a speaker. Just sounds like she does a whole lot of really cool stuff that's helping a lot of women in different areas too. So she has a book coming out really soon called Quitting to Win, which I think is a really cool title. So we'll get into that here in a second too. So really, we're just going to talk about her book and what inspired her to write it and um, all the things that she can do to really shed light and help people through her book, through her story and through her message. So thanks for being with us, Crystal. Thanks, Erin. Yeah, we're excited. So so your book, first book, right? First, first, first book. book you ever had. So what, what, made, what inspired you to start writing or, or create this story or share your message with people? Yeah.
2: Well, that's a great question. I didn't, could not picture myself past the age of 40. I mean, growing up, I was very much living in the moment and living for today, giving every day my all. Yeah. Living very recklessly, very carelessly, very on the edge. And I just could not picture picture myself past 40. And when I made it to 40, sober, then I was like, I got to write this down and release all the shame and guilt. And pretty much, so I'm like, I was, it was a form of outing myself. Yeah. Because it's been a masquerade show for a good, you know, the ages of 20 to 40. And everything from the outside was very well put together. And then, so it was like, you know, taking off the mask um, and yeah. outing myself. And then, even though I had been sober for a while, I was just sharing my stories with only that group of people Mm -hmm. within the rooms of addiction and recovery. And, you know, it's like what goes on in the room stays in the rooms. And so I shared with them for five years and then I decided to yeah, out
1: myself. Wow. Wow. Did you, were people kind of shocked when they learned this kind of stuff about you? It kind of goes against the principles of some of the step
2: courses and stuff. And, you know, so it's not, you know, you don't really mention what kind of program you go through or whatnot, because in the event that I relapse or something, it's not a reflection on that
0: program.
2: It's just a step study that got me through it. And I just told my story and I'm sticking to it.
0: Hey. Right, okay. Wow. That's so awesome I- though. So you, it was just kind of like an aha moment that you're like, I just have to do this. Or did you feel like, like a calling to it? Like there's something else bigger, you know, your like mess and your purpose was like something greater than just what you were doing at that time.
2: Yeah. There, it's just like, I'm at a point in my life where I'm I'm turning my pain into my purpose. Right, I I do feel a greater calling than to do what my life has been for the last 20 years of just um, being served and being catered to. And I want, I don't just want to be a consumer anymore. And surround myself with people that are yes ma'ams and enablers and do everything for you. So I just want a different experience in life. And yeah, I'm feeling a calling inside to do things and to carry the message. And, you know, there's a fine line when you first start of carrying the message, not the mess. Right. And not getting too heavy in that. So yeah, now I like to travel with purpose and reach people and reach, you know, my followers and people that I talk to. And it's just so much more rewarding.
1: Yeah. So when you say like, turn your pain into purpose, obviously that's what you're writing about in your book too. So what are like, kind of some of those, like walk us through kind of like your story, I guess, as far as like, you're talking obviously about sobriety. So I'm curious to know like what happened, like, I know you said you train hard, party hard, that kind of system. So like when did you realize, like, oh shit, I've got a problem. I can't, I'm not stopping this, you know, or yeah. you know what I mean? Like even have that realization or decide like all those things, I guess. Yes. When I was 14 in high school,
2: and I like to share this story with high school age girls, I was playing on the varsity team and a starter. Mm-hmm. So right away, in that, you know, socially I didn't you you feel uneasy because you're 14, you're with 18 year olds but you're on the team, you're starter, you're playing, you're winning, you know, you're like them, but emotionally you're not mature enough to be there, right? So right away, freshman year, I was put with the older, so I already, so social anxiety came along right away, even though everything looked fine on the outside. And I always stood tall and walked with confidence and had it like what it looked like all together. But inside, I always felt like I had to take the edge off. I was just so nervous. Um, mm. situations and after winning, we won state that year and celebrating. And I remember getting ready for the party. And I remember, you know, solo cups and biggie smalls and joints being passed around and the music. And then it was like the light, the curtains were pulled. Yeah. And it was like a blank space. And then the next day at school, I was hearing bits and pieces of everything that had happened. And it's like, did that really happen? I don't know. I did not know like that. And so that was my first experience of a blackout at 14. And that continued all the way for many, many years. And at the age of 20, I got pulled over and they gave me like underage drinking, even though I was driving the DUI laws weren't that aggressive at the time in Arizona. so they sent me to, you know, like 10 alcohol classes and I had to pay a fine. Well, sitting in those classes, I learned that my drinking was not normal. When you walk in, they hand you these, this pamphlet with 12 questions. And they say, you know, if you answer yes to three or more, then you might have a problem. Mm, so that yeah. kind of planted the seed for me. So I finished my classes. I still went back to college. I still continued to binge drink. It was, you know, train hard, party hard, you know, just a real binge cycle um, that most athletes I know are on. So that planted the seed for me at the age of 20 and it took me another 20 years to get back to the rooms and, you know, fall to my knees and say, I need help. I can't stop this on my own. My life is unmanageable.
0: Wow. So those 20 years between 20 and 40, Yeah. I know that there's probably a lot in there that you talk about like these blackout periods. Is that, would you say a lot of that was during that time as well?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I have I always blacked out. and That was one of the things like, what do you mean? Not everybody blacks out? Mm. <laughs>
0: Why
2: well, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> you, remember, you remember what we did after that? It's like, and then, you know, after having a child, I took two years off for breastfeeding and that was no problem because I wanted her so bad. And there was that fulfillment and attachment and we were just attached for the first two years. Well, when I started drinking that first day after I decided to stop breastfeeding. I had planned on two years and it all went really well. Great pregnancy, healthy pregnancy. I was able to stop drinking, you know, when I got pregnant and breastfeeding. When I started drinking again, my body never metabolized it the same. So then I was always trying to chase that buzz again. And it was just never the same for me. And then, you know, just fast forward, you know, everybody you get in these mom groups, you start drinking, you know, it's just not a good look to be drinking and driving with kids in the car. <laughs> True. It's oh, just not. I, mean, <laughs> I shouldn't have up. Lucky I didn't kill anybody. Lucky I didn't kill myself or child. Right. And you know, if I can help one mom out there to say, you know, you don't have to do that. You don't have to drink and drive. It's okay. And then Uber came out. My Uber bills were like, Over the top. It's like, oh well, as long as you're not breaking the law, then it's okay to keep going. So Uber actually enabled me. Uber as was another enabler of me. As oh, we'll just call Uber. Okay, so here I'm Ubering my daughter around a dance class. Being like, my car's in the shop. My car's in the shop. Just lying. Just just whatever.
0: Ah. Wow. Right. At what point did you feel like you kind of hit your bottom? Like you just hit that wall, and you're just like enough is enough.
2: Well, when I, I felt insane because I kept doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result Thursday, you know, I'd start happy hour. And then I would go into Friday, Saturday, Sunday, husband would go back to work. I'd stay in bed for a couple days, Wednesday, I'd get up and take a shower. And then, you know, you just start that cycle all over again. You go, Oh, I'm not going to drink this weekend again. Oh, I'm not going to drink. And then you just do it again. And then every time You know, Thursday turns into Wednesday. Wednesday night turns into Wednesday happy hour. Wednesday turns into three martini lunch on Wednesday at at the mall. Next thing you know, and then he, my husband would go back to work and then I started hiding alcohol and it would just, you know, I just was, it was just a mess. It was an overall mess. He said, you have to stop for the safety of our child or I can't, you need help. And that's, that was it. It was basically her again for the second time, you know, the, the child, I was able to stop for the child, but but not without help. I tried to stop for many, many, many years on my own and every weekend on my own. And I could not do it. I had to change everything. And it took me a whole year before I could socially go out again. I was so nervous.
0: Right. And so you share obviously way more detail of this in in your upcoming book, Quitting to Win. So how long ago did you actually start this path of just really starting that that inner work and that rehab to get to the place where you're at right now, where now you've realized everything that you went through in your life, your mess becomes your message, your pain becomes your purpose. And how long has that like really kind of resonated with you? And you're just like, I'm using this now. So at what point was the turning point in your life? How many years ago?
2: Yeah, five, about five years ago. So I started the sobriety journey five years ago and the first night that I was taken to a meeting and I heard the speaker's story and I was just captivated by it. And I was like, if he can do it, why can't I? You know, like kind of that athlete mentality, like if they can, if they could do it, why can't I? Why not me? Mm -hmm. And that was enough to get me going back the next day. And then when I just broke it down to the reduction of the ridiculous one day at a time, can you not drink today? And then, you know, I just do one day at a time, not worry about anything else.
1: Right. What made you go to that meeting?
2: So, yeah. So I had a neighbor on the street and she was a very well put together, single, older woman, four times over divorced, retired art gallery owner, always looking like the cover of a Chico's magazine. Yeah. Same matching top and bottom. Yeah. <laughs> it was out in the yard. <laughs> pushing my daughter in the swing and I had known all the neighbors that drink because I love to push a stroller around with my tumbler full of vodka lemonade.
1: I feel like that's my future.
2: Bunny stroller at that, right? Right. <laughs> in my in my workout where not working out. <laughs> so she I knew I knew that she didn't drink because if I'd stop over there and then she'd be like, here's an iced tea. I'm like, what do you mean you don't drink? So it she like kind of planted the seed for me and I was intrigued by so then fast forward, I was having a bad hungover full of shameful day. I was pushing my daughter um, on the swing in the front yard and she had walked over, asking, you know, where's the husband? How's everybody? Cause he traveled a lot. And, um, I said, how did you stop drinking? And she said, come over Sunday at five and I'll tell you all about it. Mm. So I showed up at her house and we got in her car we drove to this great part of town and I thought we were going to go for a sunset dinner. (laughs) Nope. She drove into this beautiful church parking lot around the church to the small rooms in the back, you know, the the meeting space of the church. (laughs) And I I walked in and they gave me a raffle ticket and I'm like, Oh, are we at a charity event? Am I going to win something? Right.
1: I'm playing bingo.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Just didn't know what was going on. And, People were hugging and they were happy and they were laughing. And I'm like, this is strange to me. Yeah. Why are these people so happy? Why is everybody saying, I'm so glad to see you? Why is everybody saying, keep coming back?
1: So (laughs) So after your first meeting, you knew that you were going to go back. And she said, you stop everything, do 90 meetings in
2: 90 days. Nothing, you know, your life depends on it. And that's what I did.
0: Wow. And so after those 90 days. 90 days, you were just already, it's kind of your mind made was catching up with what your body was transforming as well. And so kind of having that pattern, you show up one day at a time. And that's where I think with like so many people, we think we got to do it all at once. And it really is, it's one step at a time, one day at a time, one action at a time. And you consistently did that for 90 days and having that mental transformation along with your physical transformation, it's now looking back and you're just like, I made it. Yeah. And so how did that feel when you got to that ninety day mark? And did you feel like a whole like sense of pride? Like that you just you did this and if you can do that, you can keep going.
2: Yeah. So it doesn't really have that kind of feeling, but there is like like you know, training for a competition. Right. It's not okay, I can do this for that short period of time. After ninety days, then I kind of started participating back in the world again. But then after a year, I felt like I had graduated and I relapsed because I'm like, I got this. I did this. Look how long I've gone. Look how I must be healed. I must, yeah. have, been, I must have cured myself. And what they say is when you relapse, and then of course, you, you, you have the carry the shame and guilt and nobody tells you really about relapsing until you go through it. And you know when you go back, they say, we don't shoot our wounded and they embrace you even more. Oh, I went through it too. You know, it takes a a few times to stick it, but wherever you relapse to, it's like the the worst day when you stopped. So you get there quicker. Yeah. It only took me about three weeks of trying to drink again before I was totally unmanageable again. Wow. And got back because, you know, obviously you have been a whole year without drinking. Now your body metabolizes it completely different and now I know better and now I know there's a better way now I know there's so relapse is all part of it and so that graduation like you were saying that completion Rachel of how you feel that is a scary place to be because you don't want to put yourself on a pedestal because you will fall off and this disease stays with you it lives with you it
1: is you and it's just a daily reprieve one day at a time right I was just gonna ask that too because From my understanding, it just seems like, yeah, it's probably you don't feel that way because every day you still have to consciously, even now. I know. I mean, I've gone to, I've had just like family members, you know? And so I was going to some meetings that supported family members and I'd heard some stories and it was just like the same thing I heard. like There was a man that I'd met that was like sober for 12 years and he's like, it's every day, (laughs) the decision, you know? So I don't think that ever goes away. So that's yeah, awesome that's, that you're continuing what you're doing, you know? Right. Yep. And
0: I, I don't think so much about like having it like be that, the end of the, you know, like, oh, in 90 days I'm cured or whatever, but like right. knowing, knowing that if you like every day is that gift and like every day you're right. working, like I made it another day, I made mm-hmm. it another day. But eventually you have to feel like a sense of like, you're in the right direction. So that's rewarding, like that you did made it through that day. And so I think that was the, I guess yeah. the question I was trying to, yeah. To ask. So, I, like, you feel good every day that, like, okay, I made it through this day. And I know that tomorrow is going to be another challenge, but if I made it today, I'm going to set up to win for tomorrow.
2: That's right. And, you know, I wake up with the morning prayer and I have a good night prayer, you know, to wash away everything. And then the morning set my intentions right. And it's like just now, like every day when I wake up, it's like, who can I be of service to today? Mm-hmm. Who can I call and try to lift them up? Who can I? You know, because that is just pretty much my daily, that's my calling now.
1: So question based on what you just said, (laughs) because I always find it curious to like people that are struggling with an addiction of some sort or feeling that need. I always wonder sometimes if it's because now you have a purpose, like you have this purpose, you have this mission that you're on. And I feel like a lot of times when people fall into that, it's because they don't feel that calling or that sense of purpose. So they drown it in X, Y, Z, whatever. I don't want to say numbs that feeling, but just makes you feel something Mm -hmm. versus waking up every day, like not excited about Does that make sense? Yeah. Like that fulfillment, that purpose to serve.
2: Yeah. My purpose was athletic. And then after performing, then it became being a mother. Yeah. And then when you're at home with child at three years old and like, you know, husband doesn't come home. Your friends are all in the mix with their children hanging around them on their feet, and you're all in this together. And you're like, Come on, just have a drink. Yeah. No, so it's right. I'll just have this bottle of wine. And then, you know, one drink turns into the bottle. And it's something that just sneaks up on you. It just snuck up on me. And the next thing you know, you're making bad decisions. People's lives are at risk. Uh, bad things are happening. And it's all by choice, it's lifestyle choice.
0: Right, you know? right.
2: And why? Because I wanted this kid so bad. Like, I wanted this child so bad. I get this child and I can't hear the Disney Channel anymore. It's like, it's like,
1: Arr! you know, it's like,
2: a, <laughs> and you know, and then you think, oh, you're a fun mom. You're more fun if you, uh, you know, take the edge off. Then you can crawl on the floor and you might do somersaults with them. Or Right. We had fun Yeah, they're three. They are three. They don't know any better <laughs> until some adult comes in and is like, uh, what's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, look, well, this is fun. We're fine. We're home. We're safe. But I'm not really present, you know. And if something right. happens to child with adult under influence, it's already, you know, there's a law for that.
0: Big, big problem, right? And, yeah.
1: You know, oh. just
2: it's a negligence, right? I taught my daughter to swim. What is that survival thing, you know, where they throw them in? Oh, yeah. Teach them to flip over because of my. I drink. What if I turn my head? Like she better know how to survive at the age of six months. Oh no. <laughs> what kind of thinking is that? Oh
0: God. Oh, so I guess from, from my perspective with my, with my book, Chasing Perfection, what were you chasing?
1: What
2: was I chasing? I, I was chasing a good time probably.
0: But there, like, like what was, I guess for me, like with me chasing perfection, it was to validate my own self-worth.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, I I always set out, I think I just would say, oh, if I had this, then I would be happy, right? If I win this competition, I'd be happy. If I got to that weight, I'd be happy. If I had a house, I would be happy. If I had a mm-hmm. husband or a kid, right? And you're always and not inside. I was never turning in. It was right. everything external. Now I created this life for myself willingly, caging myself with the prism between my ears. Right. Because I didn't have my thinking
0: right. Exactly. And so that, I, I assume you probably talk a lot about that in the book as well. Some of the lessons and like the takeaways of like how to overcome from where you were and everything you experienced, whether it was the drinking or like the, I know there's probably a lot more. It's not just the, the drinking. There typically is more. And um, that's in your book as well. So for the readers, we talk about the main issue at hand and really what the takeaway and lessons you share in your book. So what are some of those takeaways and lessons that you would like for our readers and listeners to hear? I know there's, it's, it's got to be packed because your story is amazing.
2: Right. Oh, thanks, Rachel. Well, the basic one is, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Right.
0: right.
2: You know, and most people are running on brain fog or low energy, or it's not uncommon for every mom I know to have some kind of thyroid problem, Hashimoto's. Thyroid, something. Everything's related to their thyroid because they're just run down and their adrenals are drained. It's just like are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Take inventory of what's going on emotionally. So Mm -hmm. it's the tools to take emotional inventory. You know, it's very easy to look at your bank account and do financial inventory. It's 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 easy to look at your calories. It's easy to count your macros. You know, to see the ins and out. But what is emotional inventory? And I learned through program, the emotional inventory. And that was something that I was never taught. So it's almost, it's like having intelligence of your emotions and how to process them. What is it feeling? What's happening? You know, if you just got to constantly think about it, like your bank account or your food intake, but if you eat this food, it causes inflammation, you know, maybe you should stay away from it. So if you have this thought and it causes it to spin, now I am trained that if I think of something more than 10 minutes to pick up the phone and call somebody and get it out and say, Rachel, this is what just happened. And you say, okay, what's your part in it? What's your insecurity? You know, is it out of your control? You say the serenity prayer, you say, I didn't control it. I didn't cause it. I can't cure it. You know, so now I have the emotional tools to, you know, walk like a peaceful warrior. So I guess the takeaway is, are you sick or tired of being sick and tired? And do you want to be a peaceful warrior? Yeah. And just go through life and being able to enjoy the little things and sit back and watch the kids and be able to laugh instead of it being annoying. Or the thing is that the mom, you know, I, I was constantly hearing, I can't wait till school starts. I can't wait till school's over. I can't wait till spring break. I can't wait till this. It's like nobody's ever like really in the moment. They're always waiting. I can't wait till the COVID's over. I can't wait till the kids go. Like whether the kids are in school, they can't wait till they get out. So it was like this uneasiness all the time or trying to get the kids home so they could get a drink or I would, can't wait to get home from soccer practice, you know, and just creating this this chaos and to be spiritually fit is just to be where you're at, to be present and in the moment.
0: Yes, that's, that's good. I mean, this is like you know, for anybody, I mean, I don't have kids and I'm sitting there like, so like hanging on every word. You're just like, wow, (laughs) really? But, but it's such great value because it really does. And when you talk about like that emotional, like inventory and, and it's similar to what I talk about, like being fit from within, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And it's like, well, the physical is a reflection of the inner work done. And so it's the same concept. And I really don't think that there's enough talk about emotional intelligence and emotional inventory, as you say, because we're, Forced to just stuff it down, not feel, numb it. Talk about problems, and then when you have other people come together with problems, it makes you feel like you are contributing. That that that's almost actually feeding a different addiction. And so it's just when we start looking deep within ourselves, we realize these what we're feeling emotionally is normal, and we need to express it. And we need to share it, and and having that awareness allows you now, like you said, call a friend, reach out, speak about something, because it's it's you have like that brain dump but it's like a, an emotional dump and you yeah. become that free like freer from within and gives you that peace and tranquility that you're seeking.
2: Yeah, and you need good friends with the same values. You need right. parents friends that are going to raise your kids with the same values and you know it's like the sum of five. The mm-hmm. five people that you yeah. surround yourself with, you know, you're the average of that. So it's 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 definitely quality over quantity. You just need a few good people in your life, and you know that it's so much more fulfilling than you yeah. know lots of people,
0: right? And it it's more freeing because you can actually become vulnerable in those smaller quantities of of people that really are invested in you, and you're invested in them, and it be, and it creates that intimate relationship that I think we're all actually after, and we don't necessarily think of it like intimate with your partner, but like to really connect with your friends, like. Feel them, you know, like understand them, you know, help them walk through this trials and you know tribulations of what they're going through, and like be a part of it. And I think that us for women, we want that, but yet we don't know how.
2: Yeah. So what I've also learned through this process is uh, having a spiritual advisor is what I call her, somebody that I check in with weekly, somebody uh, usually an older woman that's in between like a mother grandma role. Right that can has been through anything that i 've been through, and nothing I can say can shock her and then always having somebody before you on the path that you can help lead, and I feel like that tethers you spiritually on both sides, and then you you know you have your your five girlfriends that you're all on the same path, so you have somebody that you 're guiding, you have somebody that you 're following either that is you know, they have what you want, whether they're still married or they're widowed or independent or good relationships with their kids or good relationships with their community and they're giving back. And you're like, how did you get all of those, all those different organizations to give back to or whatnot, you know, finding somebody that you look up to. So that's what I, that's my recipe right now for female engagement. And I just don't get that from my husband or male. Mm
0: -hmm. Right,
2: And once you cut that off and don't expect that from your husband and you create your life outside of him and your own identity, my identity was wrapped up in him for many years and I was okay with that and I consented to it. And I went with it because it was just, you know, show up, get dressed, show up. And, you know, he was thriving in his career at the time. So as that kind of takes a turn and I want to be a better example for my daughter and women and girls and all these girls that I get to coach. It's like, now's the time, you know, that I step out of that umbrella and to just support myself with all kinds of female energy. And it has just been great. It's been so transforming in the last five years for me. It's like, like I said, I can't believe I'm alive.
0: (laughs) I'm glad you're alive. It is a gift. And we're we're so blessed that you're here because it's a gift to hear your story, a gift for you to be our guest and a gift to know that you're gifting the world with your story in your upcoming book quitting oh, to win. So when does that come out? Yeah. So it comes out, um, July 7th, 2020. Awesome. And where, where can we find it? You can
2: find it on anywhere. Please go to your local bookstore and ask for it, but you can find it on Barnes and Noble, Amazon. You can get a signed copy on my website and I'd love to write you like a nice little note. If you go on my website and order it, And it's been on the number one new release eight times
0: now. Wow. Awesome. Congratulations.
2: Thank you. And so I really hope to, I don't know what it's going to turn into, but I'm excited for the future.
0: Right. It's like you just, one chapter, right? I I say, I'm just excited for the next chapter.
2: Yeah, And I kind of wrote it to my younger self. You know, all these, these, my daughter's eight to 10. I coach her team. I have a junior high team and a, a high school getting ready for college team. And so I wrote all these chapters as chapters to my younger self, thinking of those girls that I get to reach all the time.
0: Wow, that's um, beautiful. And... Awesome. So how can people get a hold of you? Would it follow you on all your platforms? What are What's they? Your
2: website. Crystalwaltman.com. Instagram is at crystalclearfit. Okay. Facebook is Crystal Waltman. W-A-L-T-M-A-N.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. We're going to put all that in the show notes because I know people are going to definitely need to hear your story and they're going to want to hear your story because it's just so powerful. And that's the, that's the beauty of when women actually take that mask off and we can open up. And we talked about this you know, earlier about being intimate is that it creates that real vulnerable aspect that women are just craving because it gives them that sense of camaraderie that they're not alone. And it's the bravery and the courage that allows you know, your inspiration of your story or you know Aaron's or myself or whoever it is For them to step up and own their truth and their story so we need more women that really just embrace that quality and are are not afraid to share so thank you so much for being our guest because i'm so excited to read your book and i'm excited for our guests to read it as well
2: it's been an honor and a great joy to get to know both of you and it's going to be a good ride i'm glad we're all on it together
0: thank you thank you
1: all right thank you so much for listening to the confident woman podcast